Good morning. How many times in your lifetime do you think you've been told to pay attention? Three? They gave up? Probably, uh, I'll go more than once, right? More than once we've been told we have to uh, pay attention. I'm uh, in the process right now of coaching one of my son's baseball teams. So they are 11 years old and 10 years old. And some of them struggle with attention issues. Some of them have never heard the word pay attention, words pay attention. It's been said to them, but they've never heard it. And it's amazing to me how you can tell a child, pay attention, there's a game going on, and the very next pitch, you have to tell that same child, pay attention, there's a game going on. I think it's a kind of a microcosm of our entire society. We are in dire need of the idea to pay attention. The truth is there's always going to be things we're going to miss. Even, even when we uh, are, are told to specifically you know, pay attention, focus, look at this, the more we focus on, on certain things, the more maybe other things we miss. And some things, it's okay to miss. As long as we're paying attention to that which would we should be paying attention. In fact, if I, was a, if I was a good magician, I'd be asking you to pay attention to one thing while the trick is actually happening somewhere else, right? To fool you. So you'd be focusing on this card or this deck of cards, and I'm switching them out somewhere else. Unfortunately, I'm not a good magician. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't wow you. I could talk about it. In fact, the other day... Uh, Noah and Ben and I had been watching a, a program on Netflix about uh, magic and magicians and how things were done, and so they were uh, momentarily enthralled by the idea of, of magic and wanting to learn games and wanting to learn card tricks and wanting to learn how to do things. And, and so we, we looked up a few online and began to do some, and Noah uh, started doing a magic trick and he, uh, for Ben, my other son, and he... Uh, started in on it and he was just said okay i'm gonna make one up and so he said to to ben okay you got to pick a card out of the entire deck so ben picked a random card out of the entire deck and noah said okay well i will i will continue cutting the deck in half until i get down to one card and that card's going to be your card now he totally was just making this up as he went along he had no idea how it was going to work in fact in his brain he was thinking it's not going to work because what are the odds that I will cut the deck in half again and again and again until I get down to that one specific card that Ben had picked? So I thought, well, here's a perfect opportunity. So Noah cut the deck in half and set them aside, and Ben's just totally focused on this half that Noah still has, right? So Ben cut, Noah cuts it again and puts it in a pile, and Ben's totally focused on those cards that, that Noah has. Well, in the meantime, I've taken the rest that Noah has aside and picked out the card that Ben was looking for and handed it to Noah under the table. So now Noah has this card that he knows is the right card, and he's thinking to himself, how do I get it to be the last card? So he goes and he slides it, and he's cutting them down. So now he's got a few cards left. 
He takes that card and really quickly palms it. No one has fairly large hands, if you've never noticed. It's almost abnormal. And he, he's not here, so don't tell him I said that. But he, So he takes that card and he goes on top of the ones that he has left. And Ben didn't notice because he does it quick, right? And then he proceeds to get rid of the rest until he has that one card. Flips it over and Ben just freaked out. Because there is absolutely no way you can start a trick having no idea what you're going to do and have it turn out right. You got to do it again. Noah's like, all confident, sure, no problem. And does it again, and we do the exact same thing. And Ben is so focused on those cards that Noah has that he doesn't notice that the cards that have been discarded have been taken off the table. I've shuffled through them, found the one that he picks, and Noah, there's your card. And Ben's like, there's absolutely no way. But if you're focused on that, what happens? If you're focused on where the magician tells you where to focus, what happens? Well, you miss the trick, right? You miss what's going on. And so when we're called to pay attention, it's not just a call to focus solely on one certain thing, but to focus on that which is the truth, right? Because if we're focused on other things, if we're focused on things of the world, the truth will pass us by, and we will miss it. I mean, we understand that we are, a, we are flawed people. We all have our, our flaws, we all have our mistakes, and so we have, to, we have to concentrate on what is right. We have to focus on what is right. We make mistakes, we make errors in judgment. Errors in our, in our motives. And we need salvation. And we have to focus on, on Jesus. We have to focus on the cross. And I, I appreciate Wayne's words around the table. Understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. And, and so often we, we think of Jesus as the lamb, which he was. The lamb this, without blemish to be slaughtered. But he restricted this part of himself that was the lion in order to become the lamb. Because even while hanging on the cross, what could he have done? At any moment, what could he have done? Well, that's enough of that. And it could have been over. Except for what? That he always wanted to do the will of God that held him there. So that we could have salvation. So that we now who sit here could focus on that and know what the truth is. And not be so caught up in what's going on in the world that we miss it. We have to be obedient. Obedient to the truth. Obedient to the truth that God has put in front of us to see. We don't alter it. We don't change it. We don't modify it. We don't make it fit into our society. We look at what the truth is and we follow it. We are obedient to it. So we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to what God has said. We need to pay attention to the, the guidance that God gives us. To, to the instructions that God gives us. So last week, if you were paying attention, uh, at the very last minute, I decided I was going to do a different reading at the end of the lesson, in closing. And uh, because I had done it at the last minute as I was going through, I, I originally had a, a passage from 1 Corinthians that I was going to read, and, and then as I was going through my notes and stuff again, I, I found a passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians that I thought fit a little better, and so I, I read that one. 
And because we use the big thing on the board, uh, I forgot to tell Corey, who puts it up there. Um, and so 1 Corinthians was up there. But I was reading from 1 Thessalonians. How, how many of us noticed that? You don't have to put up your hands, because I don't want anyone to feel bad that they didn't. But how many of you noticed that when I went to read, it wasn't from the passage that it said it was going to read from? I mean, that's a fairly... It was in big block letters, so it was, it was a fairly large mistake. Did we make an assumption that I was reading from what I said I was going to be reading from? I didn't intentionally lie. It was just on there, and I forgot to, to change it. But were we paying attention? Or did that slip by? It slipped by. Um, you should read what's up there now. We need to, we need to pay attention. Now, I'm not saying that uh, I'm going to purposely make mistakes so that you can catch them. But mistakes happen. And, and not only that, but I think also when we're here and we're listening and we're studying God's word, that we have to be invested in it, not only so that you can say, well, I really truly listened, but that you can go home and you can mull it over. That you can think about it. That you can study that passage. You can look at it and say, okay, this is what was said. This is what it says. Do those things go together? What's the building block? What, what's the next step? What do I do with that information? What do I do with that, that little tidbit that we're talking about? And then you can talk about it with someone else. And that little bit of, of, of light can go on in them. And they can, they can talk about it and they can share it. Someone asked me the other day what I talked about two or three weeks ago. I had to look it up, to be honest. I just had to look up the title, and I remembered what I had said, but two or three weeks ago, maybe I need to pay more attention. How important is it that we study God's Word? Fairly important? Extremely important? What's, uh, what's more than extremely important? Extremely, extremely important? Turn into Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both spoke by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. We must, it says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. There's a warning there for us from the Hebrew writer for those of us as, as followers of Christ to pay attention. And what are we supposed to pay attention to? Well, here it says, pay much closer attention to what we have heard the preaching of God's word, the sharing of God's truth of Jesus Christ, what the gospel is, what the truth is, what it is to, to follow in Christ. We must 
pay closer attention to these things. Why? What, what difference does it make? Don't you already know what the Bible says? Right? You've probably studied it a little bit, right? So you, you know what it says. Why, why bother? A couple months ago, well, more than a couple months ago, it was probably even a year or so ago now, Tammy uh, had to go back and take a different driver's uh, test um, so that she could work uh, where she works and drive the, the, little, uh, the little bus around. And so we began to study and look at those things. How many of you would pass your driver's test if you went back right now? There's a few of you that probably could put up your hand and say, yeah, I could pass. Now, there's probably a few of you that would pass just because you're good drivers. Okay? Congratulations. The rest of us fail. Because we get into habits of what is just commonplace driving that fails you when you go to take the test. So, with that thought in mind, would you not study? Would you not give it some thought? How, how often do you get out on the road and say, well, that person needs a refresher course in driving and wish that that was actually mandatory for some people? But then again, maybe some of us would end up in that class. Yet, and yet we think with our Christianity, with our relationship with God, well, you know what, I've read the Bible once or twice. I already know what it says. I've heard, I've heard enough lessons on this or that that I could get by. Is that acceptable to us? What does this passage say? For this very reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. There is a need for the study of God's word. 100% there is a need for the study of God's word to know it and know it better. But we study it Sunday morning. We study it Wednesday night. That's two times a week. Surely that's enough, right? Well, if you've been there Sunday morning and you've been there Wednesday night, you know that we get through maybe a three, four, I'm going to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now you know that I'm exaggerating. We get through as many verses as we can, but it's, it's, a, it's a more in-depth study. We're looking at it. And so if you're, if you're banking on that, then you've looked at five verses that week. Is that enough? Is that really enough for our personal study of God's Word to say, well, I was there for an hour. I put in an hour. Done. It shouldn't be like that. It should be this, this opportunity, this desire to know what God has for us. What he has given for us. And I hope we recognize that, that and appreciate the opportunity and the need for studying God's word. So what have you heard? You know, it says here, uh, this reason you must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So this is uh, uh, the Hebrew writer speaking to them on what they've been taught, what they've been told, what they've already, what they've already been given, and now writing to them so they have a, a, a greater appreciation for that. What have you heard? So far, what have we heard this morning? Do you remember it? Our, our memories are great, aren't they? I mean, we never forget a single thing. We just can't recall it. I mean, that's the truth. Our brains don't forget things, really. I mean, it's, it's in there somewhere. The ability to recall it goes away. 
Do we need a refresher on things? 100% we do. We need to open up God's word. There's a, a fairly large sign outside on the front of the building that claims what? What does it say? Church of Christ meets here. Okay? How many times have you passed that sign? How many of you honestly remembered what it said? You pass that every time you come in. We need a refresher sometimes. And also the point of that sign is to tell people that the Church of Christ meets here. And if the Church of Christ is sitting here thinking, well, the Bible is great and I'll study it when I need to, then that is flawed thinking. Absolutely flawed thinking. The Bible is God's word to us as the church. And we need to be invested in it, immersed in it, and defenders of it. If we are not going to be that, who in this world will be? And it will, it will be twisted and turned around us. Satan will know it and twist it and lie about it. We need to study. We need to know what we've heard. We've been able to tell that. And if we don't, the warning in Hebrews is what? That we are drifting away. That we are not anchored. You see a boat that's just adrift. And it goes wherever it, the water sends it or wherever the wind sends it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It has no control, no engine, no sail. It just is adrift. When I was very much younger, uh, living in Nanaimo, uh, obviously right there on the, on the ocean, we went uh, to the beach, as you often do in the summer. And I had a, a big uh, balloon, not a balloon, a, a ball there that floated and we were playing with it, and all, and all of a sudden, it was coming in, it was coming in, and then we were there all day, and all of a sudden, that ball is no longer coming in. It's going out. And so we're playing, not paying much attention, because it's just been beating against the shore the whole day. And all of a sudden, we say, okay, well, there's that ball. We better get it. And I begin to swim after it. And if you ever swim in, swam in the ocean, when the tide is going out, it's really... Uh, quite easy to swim that one direction but it's real easy for that ball too so for every stroke I'm taking as a child swimming that ball is going farther away but because I'm stupid and stubborn um, I keep swimming after it and eventually I catch it okay but I'm farther out than I thought I was and now I have to turn around and swim one-handed holding onto a ball And all of a sudden, there's a difficulty. A huge difficulty. To the point where I was willing to let that ball go. <laughs> but I'm stupid and stubborn, so I didn't. And obviously, I came back to shore, and I was done. Exhausted. When we drift away, it's easy. You just go. 
The difficulty is the turning around and coming back because we don't always recognize it. And we're fighting against things now that have become habits. We've introduced things into our lives. I'm not saying that God's forgiveness is difficult. That's not what I'm saying. God forgives. God welcomes us back. You can look at the story of the prodigal son and understand that God welcomes those who turn back to him. And there's reconciliation there. The difficulty lies in us. Recognizing the need. Recognizing that we have to do. And accepting that. Drifting away is hard. We become attached to those things. So what must we do to combat that? It says right here. Pay much closer attention to what you have heard. Have an anchor. Have a foundation. Know what God's word says. Stay true to it and you will not drift away. The next part of that that passage in Hebrews uh, deals with something else. If we're going to drift away, uh, we'll understand that there will be violations and disobedience. Uh, the, The New American says transgressions and disobedience. Uh, but we understand that there is this, uh, this opportunity for us to choose what is right, or an opportunity for choose what is wrong. And if we're going to drift away, if we're not going to be uh, paying attention to what is right, then we will drift away, and we will have this uh, violation, we will have this transgressions, we will have this disobedience. And he says, and even with the, with the angels, there is, a, there is a just punishment. Again, the New American says a just penalty. There will be for us as well. For whatever is sown, that will be what is reaped. You will reap what we sow. And to think otherwise, again, is faulty thinking. God has told us over and over and over again that he desires for us to be obedient. He desires for us to open up his word, to study it, to know it, and to follow along with that. And God's not going to lie to us. God's not trying to to trick us. God's not trying to, to say, okay, let's make this more difficult for them than it has to be. He's telling us what is true. He's telling what is what, what is right. And this is what he is saying, that if we are going to live in this level of transgression, in this level of violation or disobedience, there will be a just penalty for that. And the penalty for sin has always been and will continue to always be death. Unfortunately, that is the truth. We may not like that. We may not want to accept that. But that is the truth. Again, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, so that we do not find ourselves in transgression, so we do not find ourselves in violation and in disobedience. Go into that passage again. It says, how will we escape, starting in verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect Uh, Again, the NIV says, ignore so great a salvation. There will be some that say, well, I didn't know. Right? I didn't know. Or I I wasn't aware. I didn't think this was wrong. Is ignorance an opportunity to say, well, you know what? I didn't know. So God will say, well, you know what? All right. You lived in sin your entire life. And people tried to tell you, people tried to warn you, but you didn't really know. So that's okay. How will we escape if we neglect or ignore so great 
a salvation. Is ignorance an escape? How many of you would ever tell your children, tell other people's children, don't do that. If you do that, this is what's going to happen. And they ignore you, and you say, good job, little Johnny. I, I, I'm just so glad you are the way you are. You're a special snowflake. Um, is that our response? If it is, is that good for little Johnny in this example? Sorry to all the Johns out there. Uh, is, uh, is that good for him to learn that, that that's true, that lesson that there's no accountability, that we as parents, guardians, uh, caregivers uh, are actually not telling him the truth because there, we told him there would be a, a repercussion and there, there wasn't? No, it, technically it really isn't. I mean, it's better for a child to know where the boundaries are and, and to know the guidelines and have, have that accountability. And, and obviously there's, there's work to be done, there's leeway, there's learning experiences, and all that goes into it. But it's not, it's not good for that child to just know that there's absolutely no boundaries. He can do whatever he wants. How many of you ever heard a child say, but I didn't know, after expressly telling them that you're not supposed to do that? Boy, I didn't know. I didn't realize. But I just told you like five minutes ago that you weren't supposed to be jumping on your bed. But I didn't know. Ignorance is not going to work. It will not be an escape. We need to pay closer attention to what we have heard. And what we have heard, it says in, in this, that we do not neglect or ignore such a great salvation. Are we going to make mistakes? Is there going to be transgressions? Is there going to be these violations and disobedience? Yes. Does God know that mankind messed up? That's not hidden from God. God just isn't now just catching on to our mistakes. He understood and knew that this is how we were. Not how we want, it's not what he wanted for us, not how he created us. But this plan of salvation has been in place before the creation of the world. And it is this great salvation. And we cannot ignore it. We cannot neglect it. We cannot turn away from it and hold on to our violations, hold on to our disobedience. Instead, we turn back to God and pay attention to what he's telling us. He's telling us, if you ignore me, if you ignore what I say, if you do not follow along in obedience, that you will go to this place of destruction for eternity. But if you turn to me, if you love me, if you are obedient to me, then there is this place of eternal life in the presence of our God. And again, we have a choice. To live in ignorance, which is maybe a harsh word, but to live in ignorance or to choose what God has set before us. Again, in Hebrews chapter 2, at the end of that, uh, verse 3, it says, After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by those who heard. So we have these lessons that are given by the Lord. We can turn and look at see some of them that are, are written for us. Uh, in, our, in our Bibles. Um, obviously, he had other lessons and other things that he did that are, aren't recorded for us. But, but first off, we have what God has said to us. 
And, and then for them, as the writer of the Hebrews said, points out, not only have some heard what, what Christ actually said, but then we have those who were there and heard it that can collaborate and say this is what was said. And so we have some of those writers who would, who would write down what Jesus did. And so now we can look back at that and we have the word of God. We have the word of the Lord. And so when we're looking for instruction, when we're looking to say, okay, well, I need to pay attention. I need to go. We better turn to the word of God. And maybe that should go without saying, but in the world we live in, I don't think so. That we need to turn to the Word of God. And understand the truth of it. And understand that it is under attack. And that will not let up in our lifetime. Do you use the word of the Lord as a sword, as a guide, as encouragement, as a giver of strength and wisdom, as a connection to what God wants you to be doing? What does it mean to you, this Bible that we have so readily available now. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It, when, I was a, when I was a kid, we had a, many of you probably did, but we had the old big one, right, that had the, the fancy cover on it, and it, and it was white, and it had like, you know, the gold on the side of the pages, and it was this big, huge thing, and, and then we would, we would take times out of the week, whatever, to, to crack it open, but we weren't, you didn't, you didn't touch it any other time, because we're kids and we're just grubby all the time so we weren't allowed anywhere near it but there was these special occasions you would crack it open it was this this huge book and there was just you know this almost honor given to it because it was just, it sat there on the pedestal and you knew you didn't even look at it funny because you'd get in trouble because it somehow would get dirty if you looked at it funny because again we were grubby little kids and so you didn't you didn't do that it was special right it was special and we knew that as kids. We knew it was special. And we could play with a lot of things, and we could, let's just be honest, we broke a lot of things, and we, we played with things as toys that we shouldn't have, but you didn't go near that. Because if you were in trouble over breaking something else, you would have, I'd still be getting spanked if I had messed with that. Have we lost some of that? Some of that reverence? For God's word. I mean, it's, it's truly wonderful that it's so readily available that we carry it around in our pockets on our phones or we have it on our iPads, you know, that we have different translations and we can, you know, you can go almost anywhere and you, could, you can buy it and, and you could order it online and, and you can get it in almost every language in the world. And there's something just absolutely wonderful about that, truly. But have we lost some of the reverence for God's word? I hope not. I hope that we hold that reverence even while we're using a copy that we use it so often it begins to fall apart. That the reverence for the words spoken in it does not change. 
This is the word of God. For us to study and to know and to understand what it means for us. You know, it says here that they were given also uh, signs and wonders uh, and various miracles. I don't know if you remember the song. It must have been from the 60s or 70s. Signs, signs, everywhere there's signs. Uh, that's before my time. And if I know it, I'm sure there's some of you have heard it before. You're all looking at me like I'm crazy, but you've heard it. Uh, I thought of that as I, was, as I was looking at this. Signs everywhere. Some of those are, are gone. I mean, obviously, some of the, the miraculous power of the Spirit does not uh, imbued in us. But I think we look around and I think we can still see signs everywhere of the power of our God. One of the, as I've told you many times, one of the, the absolute great wonders for me is to look into creation. And there was a, a picture online the other day of someone who had taken a photo uh, of a, it was a cloudy sky and it was dark and you this really strong rainbow and streaks of lightning going through the rainbow. And I looked at that and said, how amazing. I mean, just how, I'd never seen it like that. All this lightning going through this super strong rainbow. How amazing is our God that he could just even fathom that, to create that. I mean, we think we're so smart and we can create all this or do all this. We have no idea how God could do what he did to create all of that. We're working off that template of what God has already done to say, well, we'll create this or we'll do this or we'll do that. And we're so smart and God's looking at us going, yeah, okay, fine. Congratulations. Create that out of nothing. It's amazing. I hope we look around the world. I hope we see those signs of God's hand at work all over. I hope we are guided by his word, by those signs, and also understand that we have been given the Holy Spirit. This is important. To understand that we have been given the Spirit. That when we come into a relationship with God, that the Spirit is given to us to help us in many different ways. As a guide, as a comforter, to intercede when we have, don't have the words to speak, when we don't have an idea of what we should pray. That literally we are being guided toward life, in life, by the Spirit. And as we've been studying, if you've been there on Wednesdays, as we've been studying from Galatians, the call for us is to be in step with the Spirit as He guides us. Because we could live in conflict, right? As again, as it tells us in Galatians chapter 5, that we could be in conflict with that. If we were going to live by the sinful nature, by the, by the nature of the flesh, we could be in conflict with the Spirit. The, the goal for us is to walk in step with the Spirit as we run this race toward the prize of which God has called us heavenward, this, this opportunity to be with God. Do not neglect these things. Do not neglect these things in our life. We need to pay attention. How many of you are busy? You know, there's always things that we can do, right? 
I mean, even if we, we say, well, I'm not overly busy, you find things to fill your day, don't you? I mean, we, we're busy. We have things going on. We have kids or grandkids. We have uh, things being planned. We have events coming up that are fairly important that we probably want them to go well. Uh, we have all these things that are hoping that everybody shows up. You know, we, we have all of these things that we, we have going on. We're busy. Do not neglect this. Do not neglect the Word of God. Do not neglect seeing God at work. Do not neglect being led by the Spirit for the sake of busyness, for the sake of this world, for the sake of temptation, for the sake of what Satan has lied to you about. Here's another question. Do we honestly think that Satan tells us the truth? God describes him as the great deceiver. Do we honestly think that he tells us the truth? Now we look around the world and we say, well, that, that looks pretty good. And Satan's offering that up saying, okay, if you, if you don't go to church this week, you could do this. Or if you neglect studying God's word, you could, you could be a part of this. Or if you don't spend time in prayer, you could, you could cut back on that prayer just a little bit and you could fit this in right there. It'd be so great. Do we believe him? Now, some of those things, we'll walk away and go, man, that was, that was awesome. That was fun. That was great. I'm glad I went and did that. And all of a sudden, that becomes the norm. Man, that was great. That was awesome. I'm going to do that every week. I'm going to neglect study. We don't think of it that way, but that's what it turns out. I'm going to neglect study. I'm going to neglect prayer. I'm going to neglect meeting together. And, and maybe it's just individually. Maybe we still come Sunday. Maybe we still come Wednesday. But it's, it's neglected throughout the week. And Satan's telling you, it's going to turn out great. It's going to be awesome. And then, when God says, comes true, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and we stand before God, and he says, what have you been doing? I'll paraphrase for him. What have you been doing with your life? I don't know you. You haven't turned to me in prayer in your entire adult life. You haven't studied God's word. You haven't met with the church. You haven't lived for me. I don't know you. But, but Satan said it wouldn't, it wouldn't turn out bad. Satan said it would turn out okay. He lied. He's going to continue to lie. We have the word of God. And he tells us, and we know what we have to do. We can look around and we can see what God has done. We need to be led by the Spirit. Do not neglect these things for the trinkets that Satan will offer. It's too important. Your wife is too important. Your eternity is too important to neglect these things. We have to understand that we've got to pay attention. We've got to pay attention. We've got we to study the Word of God. We've got to know what leads to life. We've got we to go away from what leads to death. And we've got to walk in step with our God. We've got to walk in step with the Spirit. All right. This one's actually right. Turn into Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to close this morning by reading in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. 
Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the days of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. While it is said, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came up out of Egypt led by Moses? And whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that, he, that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. I want to go back to 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God.